Hello. Happy Sunday. Thank you for being here, stretching through the snow and the ice and all that nice stuff. My name is Tyler Matthews. I am running on four hours of sleep. And yeah. Yeah, we're in for a ride. Get ready. Yeah, I got some matcha tea in me and the fire of God. Shout out to the Holy Spirit for that. Let's see. Do we have my PowerPoint slides? Yes, we do. All right. I'll tell you when. <laughs> I'll tell you when. All right, so we're looking at the life of Jesus. We've been going through the Gospels, the crucifixion sp specifically, Jesus sacrificing his life for us, for our sins. This is what we believe in. Why the heck do we believe in this? This is a very absurd concept when you think about it, especially through the eyes of a lot of different people in this world, but that is what I would be li like to be looking at through the Gospel of Matthew. So... I'll do a little introduction, introduce my family. All right, so on the right, that's me, and then my sister Hannah, and then my father Don, and then my ta uh, mother Tanya, and then my brother Ben. They are in South Carolina, um, so I don't get to see them too often, but when I do, it is awesome. I love them. I freaking love them. I am absolutely blessed to have one of the best families in the world. I am lucky. Um, this is the kind of picture I'll normally get from them on the left, chilling in their car, brother doing his thing, sister doing her thing, parents cheesing for me. Wore this flannel in honor of my brother because uh, in his words, I can't remember the exact wording, but it brings him from about here to here on the attractiveness <laughs> scale. <laughs> so I have yet to see that proven through him or me sorry if you're listening Ben in fact I'm probably gonna take this off at some point because it is hot down here but yeah that's my family I absolutely love them um if you could go on to the next slide please I would like to ask who the heck is this Jesus guy um I will be looking mostly through the gospel of Matthew but I'd also like to look at the entire life of Jesus through his eyes from the very beginning to where he is presently and even through to the end because Jesus is here he is now he is surrounding us he is within us he is for us he is in everyone you see his image is everywhere you go and I believe that this verse perfectly exemplifies who Jesus is this is talking of him for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, it, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Colossians 1, 16 through 8. So who is Jesus? Beside the shadow of a frozen chapel, under the marriage of a cross and crown, outside the privilege of the chosen ones, the image of God is sleeping on the ground. Spires pierce the sky like steel through your hands, planks from our eyes plunged into your side. Water poured out, but we want wine. You say take and remember, but we always forget. These are lyrics from Silent Planet. Um, lead singer or screamer I should say 
absolutely exemplifies the love of God. He wrote these lyrics when he was traveling outside on a snowy night. He looked at a church. People were having service inside. And outside, there was a homeless woman shivering to death. And he saw that that is the image of God right there on the ground, needy. This is the same image that Jesus took on. The image of our God is a homeless person in need. This is the same image that Jesus took on. He chose to be homeless in his time of ministry. He chose to be in need to take on human form. And I don't believe that's for nothing. We're working with a God here who established the entire universe, so I don't think he made a mistake doing that, making Jesus somebody who has the same exact needs that we do. I believe that we should look into that, and especially look at that through his eyes. Jesus came to this earth to live a life that truly reflected love, and his enactment of it is the mystery that makes life worth living and gives everything purpose. So this needy Jesus, um, here in Matthew, this is speaking, him speaking, come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. A lot of these things are not good earthly statuses. If we were to see people in these statuses, we would tend to assume that they are lacking something, that they have something that maybe we'd be able to provide them, that we could provide charity with. Yet, all these things Jesus chose to take on. Savior of the world, everything at his fingertips, and he chose to become needy. Why? This is the God of the universe we're talking about. Um, So yeah, Jesus Christ, I know we like to think of him a lot through just his death and resurrection, but there's so much more to him. He is fully human. He has been here from the beginning. He has been an integral part of God's plan in every single one of our lives. As you can see by the verse, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things consist. So let's picture Jesus at the very beginning. He is there. He knows everything that is going to happen. He knows everything that he need to do, needs to do in making us, in making this world. Yet, he chose it. That, that kind of baffles me to consider a Jesus at the beginning who, who knew what he was going to go through, every single little thing, and he said, yes, I will. Knowing the course of action his creation would take, self-sabotaging itself to insanity, he knew he must take on our form, not only to save us, but to understand us as intimately as possible. And that's one of the big driving points I'd like to bring home. If you get anything out of this service, know that Jesus has experienced the thoughts you've thought. He's felt the things you've felt. He has experienced the sensations that you have felt. He has lived a life here on earth that has reflected that. He is not um, He is not without temptation of sin. He experienced all the weights of sin here on this earth. 
And I believe that is something that should empower us. It should make us feel less lonely. It should take away all the shame that we place upon ourselves. He became flesh so we might know all the complexities of what we go through as humans. He knew the path to redemption would be one where he led the way all alone into the innermost depths of our sin. He showed us the wonder of life among our trespasses to the point where he took on a death that we should know all too well. He displayed his love in the most polarizing way, taking on everything he should not have just for us. Everything he did was completely for us, and that is why he deserves all the glory. He knew so well that God's love would conquer death that he embraced it to the fullest. And so he went. The Son of God took on flesh and chose to live a life here on earth. He, the creator, became his own creation. And I think we can easily just let that be a text and let that get lost. Let's consider for a second a Jesus who experiences everything we experience. The nervousness, the tension, the feeling of sweating, the sensations when he smells things like bread, the look in his friend's eyes, everything he did here on earth, he experienced fully as a human. So there is a relation there with us. And we can take comfort in that, realizing that Jesus chose on, chose to take on our image, that he might display his own image through it, and that we could be empowered by it. I don't think anything was a mistake for Jesus here on this earth. I don't think he was in a rush to be anywhere. He knew fully and he had faith in God that he would carry out his plan. And with that, I think that he was able to experience and enjoy life to the fullest, completely. We see accounts of his acts a lot, but we don't see many accounts of just him being himself. You know, how did he react when, like, what kind of emotions did he feel when the Pharisees were attacking him or when his disciples failed him, when he was just trying to drive home this message of love? Think of all the senses he experienced. Think of the homelessness he took on, that in his ministry he decided that he would be living in need. Let that sink in for a second. The God of the universe allowing himself to be in need for others. This followed him all of his life. He only knew honesty. He only knew truth. He only lived genuinely. And as a result, he got in a lot of trouble. A lot, a lot of trouble with the world. Oh my gosh. Jesus, I am sorry. Even leading up to the moments of his crucifixion, he knew what he had to do for us. He knew that dying for us would be a worthy investment, even though it makes no sense to a lot of us. 
even though it's not going to make sense to a lot of us. He still chose to do it, even for the ones who will never receive it, who will receive it because he believed that it was entirely worth it. Jesus goes to be crucified. He walks a lonely path before all of us into something that was probably, well, it was foreign. It was the redemption of our sins. I don't think this is something we could ever truly grasp because Jesus' experience of going through that is not just physical. There is, there's an emotional, there's a mental, there's a social aspect involved with this. As he's going through his crucifixion, he sees his mother and his friends weeping for him, unable to help him. Yet, he is in full power. He could take this away at any moment. Yet, he still stays there. He still goes through it. Jesus hanging on the cross, now literally carrying the weight of the world within himself. As innocent as can be, he has now taken on the sin of all. Surely it must have been the most frightening thing ever to become acquainted with a foreign poison, the poison of all. He was told by his own father that this would be the path. And even in his very last moments, his father abandoned him. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What kind of faith does it take to stay on that cross and complete the mission when your own father, the one who is truly in your corner, the one who is leader of this mission to give life to all and have existence for all and have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, self-control, and all that is good, all that he brought forth. To have the very one who said, hey, take on the skin, understand your children to the fullest. To have the one who you've been receiving all this from just go silent on you in the last couple hours of your life. What kind of man could love that deeply? That in his dying moments he chose loneliness, betrayed innocence, and abandonment. Because of his love and his sacrifice, he is deeply intimate with all the pain we know. He knows the trespasses we commit. He knows the trespasses committed against us. The questions with no answers. He knows. Our Savior took on everything we've ever known and ever experienced. And I kind of have a theory. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, so just take it with a grain of salt. Um, there's a verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him to be who had no sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Imagine the God of all love, all that is good, becoming sin becoming the very thing we find so much shame in, so much weight in, whether it be through our own acts or the acts of others, that a man who is completely perfect decided to become this, 
How foreign must that have felt for him if this is what happened? How much hurt would he have experienced to know that he took on all my sin that I've committed in the past and will commit, that he knew about it on that cross, that he knows about all of your sin, and that he chose to bear it, bear it and carry it, become it. It's scandalous, but it is the most amazing picture of love I could have ever imagined. There's no greater act of love than a man who laid down his life for his friends. We are all his friends here. He has created each and every single one of us for a reason and with purpose from the very beginning, like I said. He has always been with us. He always will be with us. And he will be with us in every single moment going forward. This is the power of his love. This is the power of his crucifixion. It is not just some display. It is a real embracing of all that is evil within us, that it may be completely consumed in love, that all the death that we should ever know has already been bought, already been paid, that we get to live a life that is free, that is truly free, where you can have as much peace as you want in the moment, as much joy as you want in the moment. This is our God. Yet he is also very, very well acquainted with the hurts we experience. Because of him, we are blessed. No earthly status could take us away from his blessing. The kingdom of heaven is here now amongst our everything, just as Jesus showed. He has given us statuses that earthly status could not even come close to. He calls us children of God, redeemed from the hand of the enemy, forgiven, justified, sanctified, a new creature, partaker of div his divine nature, delivered from the powers of darkness, led by the Spirit of God. He calls us sons and daughters of God. He keeps us in safety wherever we go, and he has all our needs being met. He's an heir of God and a joint heir, or we are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. We are an heir of eternal life. We are the light of the world, and we are blessing the Lord at all times and continually praising the Lord with our mouth. Because Jesus chose loneliness and abandonment for us, he was able to be the firstborn from the dead that we, the church, might have the preeminence. We are together with him. 
right now, right here, that is a truth. We are the body of Christ, and he is the head. Just as the verse says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the one who rise from the grave, rise from the cross, that in all things we might have the preeminence. Let's picture this, the body, the church, with Jesus as the head. Imagine again the experience of being human, all the bodily sensations that are involved with that, that Jesus knows very intimately. Let's consider this spiritually. The veins flowing through, the blood going through, all the arms and legs and organs working together, each one unique, having a purpose. When it gets sick, other parts of the body attend to it. And what I absolutely love about this is that Jesus is at the head of this, that he gets to be the mind, that he gets to be the one who decides and leads. Because I know for sure that I really have no business leading myself. I'm not good at it. I have been one who has overthought most of his life, overfelt most of his life, and experienced a lot of shame and guilt for that. And I always thought I needed to have the answer that I would find it by continually searching through my mind, letting my mind be the sifter, even using the Bible through the lens of my own mind. Now I see in this with Jesus as the head and we as the body, I can literally rest, that I don't have to be up here, I can be down here. Our fight is already won. To those who struggle with the fights of heady knowledge, daily anxieties, depressions, and just all this that can happen up here just within a day, please know that Christ has secured his position as the thinker, that he has already established truth in this world, that he has already established love in this world that we can rest in, that as a body we are connected with him we are a moving vessel that can express beauty beauty, in such extraordinary and ordinary ways. It's hard for me to grasp because, like I said, I get trapped in my head constantly. I think I need to find solutions for problems to create, but my best moments of peace come from the faithful response as the body. Where the devil has spoken years of lies into my brain, I do not have to fall for the trap of constantly attending to finding some solution. There's already a savior who has done that for us. And it's not just a solution, it is an entire life, an entire existence. I can let Christ be himself. For years, I did not let myself be myself. I'm still in the process of trying to find myself honestly, but one thing that I absolutely love about Jesus is that he never denied who he was. He never complained about it. Even though he had full account of everything he was going to go through, as he was going through it in that moment, he still had the faith to do it because he saw God in it. 
Let that say something about our God. Let that say something about the man who chose to die for you and me. Jesus already paid that price, so why do I need to continue attending? I can let go. I can say, yes, my place is in this body. With Jesus as the head and I as the body, why would I even never, why would I ever need to condemn myself to a death that he has already paid? I am with him as the firstborn from the dead. I am already resurrected with him, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The price has already been paid. He is a man who is worthy and invites me into his heavenly kingdom, who gives me the Holy Spirit, who knows with me, goes with me, grieves with me, and believes with me. So now I have the power, I have the freedom to be me. I can know that I was created for a purpose. I can know that I have a savior who was created for a purpose, that he has experienced all the things I have experienced because he chose to take on me and he chose to take on you. All that you've experienced, he is deeply familiar with and he displayed this in every single way possible through him coming here onto this earth, taking on flesh to understand us in the body to be himself, to be the Christ, to go forth and carry out the will of God in an earthly kingdom, to be a heavenly man amongst earth, to show that the kingdom of heaven is here and now in every little thing, all those little things, all the comings and goings. He is there in the tiny, tiny little things and the large things in the things that seem doubtful, in the things that you would consider to be unworthy. He has made it completely worthy. I have a hard time remembering the truths of God, that he is the head, that I am the body, that he is the firstborn from the dead, that he has the preeminence. It can be so easy to forget, especially in a world like this, in this day and age. It can be so easy to forget. We are constantly stimulated. We always have things going on. There's always a next thing we could be going to. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily either. That's, that's life. It is busy. There is a rush. There is a time of peace and calm, and there is a time of chaos and whirlwinds. And Jesus, Jesus showed that, that he's been through that all. And that as we go through that all, we can allow him to be there with us. The cool part is, he's been with, there with us from the beginning. So now, as we look back on Jesus' life, and even our own lives, what can we remember about him? What are things, some things we can envision about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our very Savior? 
We are a friend of his. He has been our friend from the very beginning. He is eagerly awaiting every single one of you every single second. To those who have a hard time remembering, I have a couple questions here just to jog your memory. If any one of these questions stands out to you, let it sit with you. Let it ruminate with you. Allow God to come in to those memories. Allow him to sit next to you in these memories. Recognize that he was there when it happened. What's hard for you to remember? What's easy for you to remember? Is there a memory that you want to forget? Why? What's your fondest memory? What's your most embarrassing moment? What's your proudest moment? Who do you remember the most? Who do you tend to forget the most? Dear God, as you speak to your children, as you speak to us, as you reveal the mystery of life to us every single day, I pray that we appreciate the time and space that you have given us for us to consider you, to be in wonder of you. I'm thankful that your truth and your love has already prevailed and that it has already done things that it has done and that it is working now and that it will continue to always work. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for being with us in all the things we have experienced and all those memories. Thank you for going before us into the future and everything that we will experience. Keep our eyes open to you. Keep our mouths open to you, our hearts open to you our ears open to you, any sensation that you can work through, God. You are the author of all. You are the one who created all things. You have all the principalities and powers. May we not fear what this life brings, but recognize that you went before us in it and that we don't have to be afraid because you've already paid all the prices that we fear the most. Thank you so much for doing that for us. Thank you so much for being yourself. Thank you so much for letting us be ourselves, for giving us this existence. Thank you for giving us purpose. Thank you for waking us up in the morning. Thank you for letting us rest at night. Thank you for letting us experience the sunlight and the wind and the snow, all the weather that you have created. Thank you for letting us experience all the, the emotions you have created, all the thoughts you have created, God, all the flowers in the field, all the hairs on our head. Thank you for giving us friendship. Thank you for giving us unity as a body of Christ. 
Thank you for constantly revealing your truth in love and not hate. I pray against any spirits of shame and guilt, anxiety and depression. Those need to go in Jesus' name. They have no place here. And they never have had a place. We are your children, Jesus. Thank you for exemplifying that by being the Son of God, by allowing yourself to take on that status and then continue to take on an earthly status. I'm so thankful that no earthly status can take us away from you, that nor height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor darkness, nor things present, nor things to come, they cannot take us away from your love.